Come on, let's give our God a mighty, mighty, come on, a shout of praise. Come on, praise like you mean those words. Come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you sent Jesus in our place. And we thank you that when Jesus went to that cross, He didn't go in vain, but He went under the power of heaven. He went under the power of Almighty God to stand in a place for every single one of us. So where doubt or fear or insecurity might try to have the final word in our minds and in our lives, we thank you, God, that through Jesus, He has the final word. And He has words of victory. He has words of future. He has words of possibility. Amen? Amen? You know, uh, there are people here in this room tonight, and you sing those words, and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, the cross has the final word. Jesus has the final, God has the final word. But you know, I just get a sense in this room tonight, although we sing those words, there are some here tonight, and as much as you're singing those words, when those words come out of your mouth, it's like on the other side, there's a, a dark side, there's another side of your thinking, there's another side of your life tonight. And on that side, it's sort of saying to you, well, yeah, I know the cross has the final word, but I feel like negativity right now is trying to have the final word. I feel like doubts in my life. There are fears. There are things that I'm carrying right now. There are situations, relationships. There are circumstances right now. And although I believe that, 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 that the cross, that Jesus Christ has the final word, there's just all these other things that seem to be vying for my attention and vying for my ear space. And I'm just struggling to push through into that place of victory. You know, my Bible says in Romans 8.38, for I am convinced. What are you convinced about tonight? What convinces you? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, not, neither height nor depth, or anything else. In other words, nothing. Pretty much everything. The writer has described every possible other thing. And it says that there is nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in whom? that is in Christ Jesus the Lord. The same Jesus that went to the cross and he says, you know what? Circumstance might be trying to have the final word right now. Sickness might be trying to have a final word. Doubt, fear, insecurity. No job might be trying to have the final say. Financial pressure might be trying to have the final word. But here's the thing, there is nothing that this earth can throw at you. There is nothing that anything can come against you. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that tonight? Do you, if you believe that, give me a wave. But even better, if you believe that, why don't you give God a mighty shout of praise? Give him a victory clap. Come on, your agreement. Come on, a victory. We thank you, Jesus. There is nothing that can separate us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give God a mighty shout of amen. You know, some of you might be young people. You go, why do they say amen? Literally, amen goes, I'll have some of that. Amen is like, I'll have some of that, right? Cool, tag the person either side of you and go, I'll have some of that victory in Jesus' name. Do that as you find your seat. I'll have some of that in the name of Jesus. The name that is above every other name. I'll have some of that. That's right. If you're new or visiting tonight, we welcome you. It's great to have you here. You may hear words like that and you go, man, these Christians are weird. What's all this amen? It's exactly as I said. It's agreement of, yeah, I'm with that. I'm having that. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, that's just fancy speak for yes. All right. Sound good? 
Fantastic. Well, it's so great to be here with you tonight. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Josh, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm here. And I'm not normally here, but I'm here this weekend, and it's great to be here with you. We're in for a great night. We've already started to have a great night. And so wherever you've come from, near or far, welcome. We're having gyros for dinner. Who loves a bit of the old gyros? Everyone goes home with garlic breath tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. If, if, if nothing else works, at least the garlic will keep everything away in the name of Jesus. Hey, um, where is he? There he is. Hey, I've brought my friend with me, and uh, he's a part of our youth team, and he's interning in the life of our church. And uh, if you were here this morning, I spoke about him. He's an incredible young man. Before I bring the word tonight, I want to introduce you to Nathan Caladari, and he's going to come, and he's going to drop some fire in the place right now. Are you ready? Can we give a huge round of applause for Nathan? Thanks, Josh. That's awesome. That's so good. So good to be here at One Heart Church. Who loves Port Lincoln? I mean, come on. I, I, I was born and raised in Adelaide, although I look Indian. It's all right. I'm born and raised in Adelaide. My parents came from India around uh, in, 90, in the year 1991, and I was born in 99 and uh, born and raised in Adelaide. And I used to come down to Port Lincoln all the time. So I love Port Lincoln. It's so good to be back here. So anyone love One Heart Church? So good to be back here. I love One Heart Church. My friend Josh Santostefano is down here. I met Josh a few years ago, and we've been good mates ever since. But if it's all right with you, I want to bring five minutes of fire. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we could do with a little more excitement in the house of God. Amen? Right at the moment, if you don't know, right, this thing called the World Cup is going on. Does anyone know the World Cup? Any soccer fans in the house? No, no soccer fans. Everyone loves footy here, isn't it? Well, you might hate me, but I'm not much of a footy man. I like soccer. So anyway, when I was younger, I used to love soccer. Soccer was my life. It was all I wanted to do. Actually, Pastor Rob doesn't even like soccer. He's Italian. Isn't he meant to like soccer? What's going on there? Anyway, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a soccer player. That was all I wanted to do. I just wanted to be a famous soccer player, play in the World Cup, be successful. And so when I was old enough, I decided to play for a club. And so I used to play for this soccer club called Cumberland. And that was my life. I loved it. And uh, it was all I wanted to do. But as I started playing, I began to do this like every day. Like it was all I was doing, like three days a week training and then a game on Sunday, you know, no church. I was missing out on all these things. Yes, no church, game on a Sunday. Sometimes I would rock up to church after the game if I was lucky, if it was really early. But mostly I would miss out on all these things. Uh, filling my life with soccer, you know, and then I realized that, do you know what this game is about? 22 men chasing a ball around trying to kick it into a net. And you know right now that approximately 3 billion people will end up watching a game in the World Cup. That's a lot of hype for a soccer game. And it got me thinking, man, imagine what God could do through a church who were as fired up as fans for the soccer. Can you imagine what God could do? And anyway, as my time with soccer continued, because I was doing it so much, because it was all around me, I began to get discontented with it. And so I ended up becoming a bit lukewarm about it, and ended up, actually, now I don't even really like soccer. I call myself a soccer fan, but I'm not really. Like, I used to be heavily into it, and now I'm not so into it, because I was so around it all the time that I ended up becoming a bit complacent with my soccer. I ended up becoming discontent with it. And if we're not careful, right, that same thing can happen with our faith. I want to read you this passage, right, from uh, Mark chapter 6. Who's got their Bibles here? Come on, the Bible is not boring, all right? The Bible is the Word of God says it is alive and active, uh, so we've got to be a people who bring our Bibles to church. If you've got your Bible, hold it in the air. 
come on. That's all right. Oh, we got like about 10, 15. Yeah, that's great. All right, next week, bring your Bibles, One Heart Church. I won't be here to check on you, but I'll send Josh to check on you. All right, Mark, Mark chapter 6, verse 4. Let me give you some context. Jesus is doing ministry. He's doing all these mighty things uh, in towns all around. And then he comes to this town called Nazareth. Who's heard of Nazareth? Yeah, you have. Well done, kid. Now, this town, Nazareth, is the town that Jesus grew up in. All right, and it says this in chapter, four, uh, verse, chapter 6, verse 4 of Mark. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And if we're not careful, we can read that passage and we can miss what Jesus is trying to say here. You see, he was saying it to the people in Nazareth, but I believe that the words he was saying to them are actually applicable to us today. You see, what he was saying was, and what we have to understand is that Nazareth, right, was a town of around four or 500 people. And so it was a small town. Jesus grew up there. And so when Jesus grew up there, everyone knew who Jesus was. And so look at what the people said. They said, oh, he's just a carpenter. He's just the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters lived right here among us. And the Bible says that they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. You see, Jesus was all around them. When they were growing up, he was there. But because they got so familiar with him, they missed out on his power. You know what the Bible says? In verse 6, and it says, no, verse 5, sorry, because of their unbelief, he could not do any miracles among them. Did you catch that? He could not do any miracles among them. I love that, but it says, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, as if that's not a miracle. But he could not do any miracles there. And that was because, right, the people had become so familiar with who Jesus was that they lost his power. They become devout of his power. And I want to say to you tonight, church, I don't want to ever be part of a church that loses its power. And that happens when we become complacent. That happens when we become a people who become too familiar with who God is. And so with my five minutes today, I just want to tell you this one point. Don't lose your awe for God. Don't lose your awe and passion for God. Because we have to come to that realization that Paul comes to in Romans 1 verse 16. He says, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. Like the Bible says, right, that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And so do you know that we have something eternal to hold on to? There's people out there who are ruining their lives doing silly things, but man, we've got this eternal joy, this eternal hope. And when we realize that, we understand that we can never lose our awe for this. We can never lose our passion for this because this message needs to be shared. When Jesus sent out his 12 disciples, Who knows that he wasn't just sending out a bunch of lads with a good message. He was sending the hope of the world in these 12 men and the other followers of Jesus as well. And so I want to encourage you with that. Don't lose your awe for God. Always keep that at the forefront of your faith and keep being passionate. And uh, good on you, One Heart Church. I love you so much. Let me pray and then we'll go back to Pastor Josh. Dear God, we just give you thanks uh, for what a good God you are. just give you all the glory, God, and we just thank you for what you're doing in and around Port Lincoln, God, in and through One Heart Church. And we just pray that this church would not be a people who become too familiar with you, God, but continue to be in awe of you, God. Continue to be in awe as they see you move in a mighty way in this city. And we just pray that you would come and uh, we would experience the power of your Holy Spirit, God, in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thanks, Josh. Come on, let's give it up for Nathan. So good.
someone who does five minutes of fire in two and a half minutes. I cannot guarantee you those same sort of disciplines right now. All right, so well done, Nathan, but I cannot guarantee you that this will go in the same way. But here we go. Tonight, I want to talk to you, uh, if you're a title taker, this is called Against All Odds. Against All Odds. Are you ready to go? All right, 2 Samuel 5, verse 17 to 25, in the NIV version, it reads a little bit like this. 2 Samuel 5, we're going to start at verse 17. It's a story here of David. And we know that David was an incredible worshiper um, through faithfulness and through obedience uh, an opportunity comes for him not just to be uh, in, in the fields worshipping but and shepherding sheep, but God gives him an opportunity to become a mighty man and to, and to become victorious and, and to take on enemies that oppose the kingdom of heaven. And we see here that he's up against the Philistines. And it says in 2 Samuel 17, 5 and verse 17, it says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up, listen, in full force. Everyone say full force. To search for him. But David, they didn't go half-baked. They went full force. But David heard about it, and so he went down to the stronghold. Everyone say stronghold. Right? All these words give us a picture. This was not a church picnic. He had the full force of the Philistine army against him. And he didn't just go down to the picnic grounds. It says that he decided to go down to what? To the stronghold. There was a battle. There was a power struggle in play. The forces of heaven, the forces of darkness. There was, that's what a stronghold is. That's when the, the strong man is trying to stop what God wants to do. That's when the enemy comes against God's plan and purpose. And so he comes down to the stronghold. And it says there in verse 18, Now the Philistines had come and spread out all over the valley of Rephaim. And so David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver them. Sorry, deliver the Philistines into your hands. And so David went to Baal Perazim, and there he what? He defeated them. And how cool is this? He's defeated them. Everyone can go home now. Picnic over. Stronghold defeated. Let's go home. But as the waters break out, the Lord has also broken out against my enemies before me. So the place that was called Baal Perazim, the Philistines abandoned their idols and, and, and off they went. Verse 22 though. Verse 20 says he defeated them. Verse 22. Once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the Valley of Rephaim. Verse 23, David does something that you and I often forget to do. Challenged once, he inquires of the Lord. Challenged twice, in verse 23, it says, and David inquired of the Lord. He didn't go back to past victories. He didn't rely on what had been said last time. He didn't go back onto a revelation or a word or a breakthrough he got in 1972. He says, you know what? I, I have defeated this army once, but now they're here again. The odds are stacked against me. But rather than relying on what had been, we find that David, a second time, inquires of the Lord. And it says that he God answers and says, don't go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. You know why they're called poplar trees? Because they're really beautiful, very, very popular. Yeah, boom. And, uh, and as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike down the Philistine army. And so David did 
Here we go, people. Here it is. Verse 25. And David did what he thought would be great. Oh, David did what his mother-in-law said he should do. <laughs> Sorry, mother-in-law. Uh, David did as the advertiser suggested he should do in a situation such as this. David did as Dr. Google, Dr. Facebook said we should do. No, 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 no. David did as the Lord commanded him. As a result, therefore, because of, he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. I have no idea where Gibeon and Gezer are, but they're a long way away. And that suggests to us that he had a victory once, they came back, but th there was no way when the odds were stacked against him a second time that as he went to his God, who was a victorious God, that that enemy was going to have a third strike. And so this time they got driven out as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I pray tonight you anoint the word. I pray you anoint my lips in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever felt like everything's going against you? Feel like you're swimming upstream. It's like hard work. Everything you put your hand to. Life just seems to be a battle, a struggle. You're going against the flow. Ever felt like that? Know what I'm talking about tonight? Where in whatever area of life it may be, you just feel like your chances of success are slim. You feel like the odds are stacked against you. You feel like what you're battling against or what you're trying to overcome or the circumstance that you're in just seems so big and it just seems so out of your hands you actually, if you were to be honest with yourself, actually ask yourself the question, will I really ever get over this? Will I ever get through this? Will I ever get to the other side? Will I be victorious? I want to ask the question tonight, when you have a moment like that, when the odds are stacked up against you, when you feel like everything's coming that way and you're trying to go that way, I just achieved 10,000 steps for the day. Can we give a praise party? Thank you, Jesus tell you what, preaching gets half your steps done. My watch just told me, tell him, party Josh. Um, but when you just feel like you're, you're pressing one way in life, and, and for all, this is for all good intentions. You're trying to do everything you know how to do, everything you've been taught how to do, but you just feel like you're going that way and life's coming this way. Odds are stacked against you. I want to ask this question tonight. When the odds are stacked against you, what do you do? What do you do? What's your response? What's your position? What's your posture? Like, when you feel like that, what happens? What does your head and your heart say to you? You see, because what I've learned, sometimes as Christians, we can learn to say the right things publicly. People go, how are you? Oh, never been better. Man, I'm just like, I'm kicking goals. <laughs> I'm, I'm crushing it. But if the truth be known, no sooner do those words come out here, our heart and our head says, uh, you're not crushing it, it is crushing you. But somehow we've developed this brave front that we do as Christians sometimes, that somehow if I was to really be honest about what my head and heart is saying right now, somehow people would think maybe I'm not, really doing that well and so therefore somehow it questions my faith i'm here to tell you tonight that that's garbage that is just really bad doctrine really bad teaching really bad whatever you know what there are moments in this life where we will have like david the odds stacked against us the question isn't 
whether we're feeling overwhelmed, the question is what we do when we feel overwhelmed. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Do you shrink back in unbelief? Do you become discouraged? Do you become disillusioned? Oh, I've tried that, been there, done it, I'm, I'm done with this, I give up. Maybe that's a part of it tonight. Is that you? You go, you know what, Josh, when it gets too hard and when it gets too much, that's actually exactly what I do, I give up. Maybe there's others, and for you, you lash out in frustration. Your, your way of dealing with it, when you feel like the odds are getting, you're like, well, I'm not going to take responsibility. And so we start to blame everything and everyone around us, even including the poor little fluffy dog who's never done anything than to stare at you and be honorable and loyal to you your whole life. But somehow, everything that's happening in my life, if I had never got, it's your fault. The dog, the dog's ruined my life. <laughs> Maybe that's the way you handle life when you're up against the odds. Is you're, you're looking for something to blame. You're looking for something to lash out. You're looking at something to pin it on. It's like a, a spiritual game of pin the, pin the tail on the donkey. And you've got this blindfold on and, and you're just going around. And you just, you just want to stick the blame somewhere because you feel like you're lost. You feel like everything is pushing against you. Circumstances of life, work, employment, finances, relationships, people, health, negative reports, mindset, whatever it is, the kids, whatever it is, there's just the stuff that happens in life and you just go, you know what, I, I just feel I'm up against it. You see, in Galatians, Paul speaks to us about what Christ has done for us and I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation because it is incredible. Galatians 5.1 says this, Paul writing, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free. The anointed one, not, not, not some guy out of a, out of a fairy tale, not some, some sort of story we heard at Sunday school, no, 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 we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who's not just some other guy who grew up in Nazareth that we've become. He is the anointed one. Anointed one has set us free. Listen to this. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. You are completely and wonderfully free. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ tonight, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are completely and wonderfully free. You are not partially free. Don't believe the lie. You know, when we are up against it, when we feel like the odds are stacked against us, we can start to believe that we're not as free as what we think we are. But you need to know in Christ, let me be clear, Paul says, the anointed one has set us free, not in part, but completely and wonderfully. Listen to what he says next. We must always cherish this truth, listen, and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. I am giving you license tonight to be stubborn. To be, <laughs> to be stubborn. But it says this, Rob. Cherish the truth and stubbornly refuse to go back to your pre-Christ condition. Understand that even when the odds are stacked against you, truth doesn't change. He has set you free, completely and wonderfully free. And he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. 
And here's the thing, because of our union, because of our partnership, because we have said yes to Jesus, Jesus, the great overcomer, the great conqueror, we can break free of the obstacles. We can break free of all of the odds that might be stacked against us. Do you believe that tonight? And so I recognize across this room, circumstances may differ. What is stacked against you may look like what is stacked against me. Maybe you're a farmer and you work on the land and the odds stacked against you right now is the climate. Maybe it's the conditions. Maybe it's a lack of rain. Whatever the odds might be for you tonight, it might be a relationship. It might be something from your past that took place. It might be the fact that you can't get a job. It might be that you've got relationship stress. It might be that you are under financial pressure tonight. Whatever the odds are, they may be different across this room, but here's what I want to tell you. Regardless of how different the obstacle or the odds may be, God has for you a strategy of victory that is available because we are not partially free, but we are wonderfully and completely free because of Jesus Christ. I want to thank the team for choosing that song tonight. I had no idea. The cross does have the final word because the cross says you're free. But this is what happens in life. Stuff and life happens because we live in a broken, messed up world. We go around and we blame the devil for everything. You know what? I think the devil gets a lot of credit for stuff. He goes, I had nothing to do with that, but cool. Let's, not, let's just realize we live in a broken, messed up world. And so I don't have a theology that everything that comes against me is the devil. I call it life. I call it a broken world. I call it a world that decided at some stage we don't need God, so we'll go our own way. So I just, I just need to throw that in for someone tonight. You know, I believe in the spiritual realm, but understand, right, the devil isn't going around trying to stick stuff to you. We just live in a broken and a fallen world, and there are things that come against us. But my Bible says that greater, come on, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so God has a strategy of victory. And during worship, this is what's going to happen at the end when we're going to pray. God is going to release into some people's hearts and lives and minds tonight and in the coming weeks, victory plans. Oh, but Josh, isn't it going to happen tonight? You know what? Here's the thing. God is sovereign, and in a moment, he can transform and change, and he can totally turn things around. I believe for that, and I'll always pray for that. But I also understand this, that God is a God who, bit by bit, layer upon layer, he builds, and he grows us, and he, and he takes us on a journey. His word is full of principles. It is full of principles that if we apply the principles, we get released into his promises. Amen? And I believe what's going to happen tonight, maybe for some of you, you're going to get an instant strategy that's going to set you free. For others, God's going to give you a plan and a strategy for victory that as you adhere to the plan, God's going to bring you into a great new place where you are no longer against the odds, but the odds are with you. Amen? And so tonight, you may feel that you're in a place of impossibility. I want you to know tonight that nothing is impossible for God. And it's in times when we don't know which way to turn. It's in times when we feel like everything is stacked against us that it's so important that we know what to do, how to act, and what to say. And it's so important tonight that we understand this about our God. He has a way for you. And so whatever the circumstance it is for you tonight, I believe this. God can help you win. Do you believe that? Is that your, what are you convinced of? I'm convinced that it doesn't matter. Height, depth, Left, right, up, down, in between. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ, love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so it is my belief that there is nothing that God can't do in and through me. And I believe this. God uses 
difficult odds to build our faith. Why can't life be easy? I don't know, but this is what I do know. God can use difficult circumstances to build our faith. You know, when problems overload us, when doubt enters, when fear overwhelms, we, we maybe start to question God's wisdom, we wonder about his power, we even question whether he was there in the first place and whether we're just totally abandoned and we begin to waver in our faith. We begin to waver. I've got good news for you tonight. That God has a way, he has a plan, and God, although things may seem stacked against you, you need to know this about your God. He can take every circumstance and he can turn it to your good and for his glory. Timothy Keller says this, there's no way to know who you really are until you've been tested. So we can have all the Bible knowledge in the world. We can know all the answers to every question. But you know what? The test of a man, the test of a woman is when we've had the odds come against us. We've had life come against us. That's the true test of our faith to see if we're found standing or not. Amen? And I'm thankful in my life that in times when I feel like I've had the odds stacked against me and Sharon and I have had plenty of that through our married life, all sorts of different circumstances in a ministry where we've felt like the odds are stacked against us. But you know, I'm grateful that it's in those times that we've been able to run into the arms of our God, our refuge, our shelter, our tower of strength in our time of need. And so you go, Joshua, when the odds are stacked against you, what, what do you do? I, I run into the arms of God. I run into the arms of God. You know, we, we see this account of David and the Philistines 2 Samuel 5, 17, as I've read, and, you know, the Philistines, they're an ancient people. They're known for their conflict against God's people, and David's got the odds stacked against him, but we see here that twice he's challenged, twice he sees them rise up, twice they spread out around him. So not only are they against him, but they have surrounded him. But twice we see that when the odds were stacked against David, what did he do? He put his faith in God. And this is what I believe tonight, no matter where you're at. Some of you are here tonight and the odds against you are, are extreme. There are others tonight going, Josh, I, I'm not sure if, the, if, if uh, things are pretty good right now. You know what? If you're that person and you feel like things are pretty good, maybe your situation tonight is that although there might not be great odds against you, you would acknowledge tonight that you're not living in the kind of freedom that God purchased for you through Jesus. That complete, wonderful freedom, you go, well, yeah, maybe I could be living freer than I am. Maybe there's more of God that I then this message tonight is for you because whether the odds are great or whether they're minute, God has a plan to see you break through. Break through. He wants to establish your faith and he wants to establish your confidence, not in your own abilities, not in what you've done in the past, but he wants you to establish your faith and your confidence in him. Tonight, three real quick things. If you choose to lean into God's way tonight, if we follow the advice, if we follow the, 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 the pattern of David, three things God will do. Number one, he'll make you dependent on him and only him. Is that all you got, Josh? Yeah, that's all I've got. <laughs> because hear me tonight, that's all that matters. To know him. To know him. That's what this is all about. This, this, this journey of life, is, it's not for all the exploits. It's not for all the things that we can achieve. That's great. God lets us have fun with that. But the, you, know, you know what the meaning of life for That we may know him. That we may know him. 
And you know what? If you lean into him when you feel like the odds are stacked against you, I promise you this. He will make you dependent on him and only him, nothing else. God doesn't want you to depend on your past performance. He doesn't want you to rely on your talents, your, your personality traits, your spiritual. They're all good things. Don't misunderstand me. We do all that stuff too. But what I'm trying to say is God is a jealous God. He's jealous for your heart tonight. He's jealous for your affections tonight. And when you feel like the odds are stacked against you, if you lean into him, if you run to him, like David ran to him, I can promise you this. He will cause you to be dependent on him. And on him, there'll be nothing else in this world that'll satisfy. And whenever David faced a trial, especially with his enemies, he always knew and he always showed a willingness to ask God. Do you know that there are nine inquiries throughout the book of Samuel that David makes? Nine times he inquires of God in the heat of battle. You see, you and I, when we get a victory and when we learn how to do something and when we get a system or a structure that works, what do we do? The next time around, we revert to that system, we revert to that way, we revert to that structure. I'm here to tell you tonight that God has a new victory for you. He has a new plan for you. He has a new opportunity for you. And the way you're going to get through the next challenge is not the way he got you through the last. Why? Because he wants you to depend on him, not on the strategy. Does that make sense? God's whole plan is that you would learn what it is to be dependent. If anyone had the right, if the team could join me, if anyone had the right to be able to go, you know what? I know how to get this done. It was David. He had the runs on the board. He had shown that he knew how to take a step and a step. Yeah, he had some issues along the way, but he, sh he had proven that he knew how to grow and to be successful in battle. If there was anyone that could have just gone to the battle playbook, it was David. But I find that David continually inquires of the Lord. God wants us to be dependent on him and on nothing else. The second thing, as you lean in, if you feel tonight, you're here, you're like, Josh, the odds are stacked against. You know what, again, this message might not be where you're at tonight, but I can promise you, whether it's next week, next month, or next year, you're going to find yourself in a situation. I'm sorry, I'm not a prophet of Dune. I'm just... I'm just reading 44 years of my life and I'm realizing that life has seasons. Anyone work that out? And it's not because we're bad people. It's because we live in a broken, fallen, sinful world. The world is in decay. But here's the thing. You might not be there now, but there might be a moment in your future. Hang on to these words tonight because the second thing God will do when you lean into Him, when you feel like the odds are stacked against you, He will send encouragement. He'll send encouragement. You know, this is the thing about God. He knows exactly how and when to bring you encouragement. He knows the time. And can I encourage you with this? Sometimes we can be walking around and we can try, be trying to draw compliments or draw pats on the back out of people. You know what? Can I encourage you with this? When the odds are stacked against you, God knows exactly when to bring you the encouragement you need to get you through what you're going through. That friend who, who just picks up the phone, hey, you're okay. You know, sometimes we've been conditioned that, well, oh, I just want a prophetic word on Sundays and how come the pastor hasn't noticed me and, and how come he hasn't spoken the word of the Lord? Isn't he the anointed man? Hey, understand, when your friend picks up the phone, just at that time, God knows when to encourage you. It's that text message. 
It's that meal that someone drops around. You know what? God knows when to encourage you just at the right time. And what I love about David is that in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, he did never looked to others for his encouragement. But it says David was greatly distressed because the men were taking, talking of stoning him. It's reason to be distressed. And each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But listen, but David found strength in the Lord. In the King James, it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in his God. You see, when we're going through things, sometimes the natural is, does anyone know what I'm going through? We hoist up the flag, can anyone see? I'm up against it, help, poor me. And I understand that because when you're going through something, you don't want to go through it on your own. I get that. And I'm not an advocate for loneliness. But what I'm trying to say tonight is sometimes we're looking in all the wrong places for the encouragement that we need. And what David learned to do was he learned that in his times of distress, it wasn't in others that he needed to go to. He needed to get his encouragement from the Lord. And it says that David found strength. David encouraged himself in his God. I want to encourage you with this tonight. Don't despair. Don't give up. Maybe right now you feel alone, and I pray that God will send people your way. But I'm also praying this tonight, that God's going to come to you just at the right moment. He's going to come to you with the encouragement and the strength you need. But I want to encourage you in this. See, the first thing is we learn to depend and need God only. When we're in that posture, guess what happens next? When we're in the posture of God and God only, is it any wonder why the next thing we receive is encouragement? You see, I believe that we receive what we lean into. We lean into his presence, we receive something from it. We lean into God in times of pressure, we will get God's encouragement. Amen? Here's the third thing. And this is what I want to pray over tonight. If we lean into God when we feel like the odds are stacked against us, he will give us the instructions for victory. He will give us instructions for victory. You see, God gave David a game plan. He didn't just say, oh, David, don't worry about it, my friend. If you were here this morning, you, I, would, I said something similar, but he didn't say, God didn't say, David, just take a load off. Just go find a tree. I'll wave my God wand. And I'll fix it for you, David. Don't worry, I'm here. I've just, you know, I've just had an afternoon nap, but I'll fix it. You go, Josh, that's silly. I know it is, but sometimes that's how we view God. Well, God, do your God thing. You know, that thing that you do, God, and just fix it. <laughs> Come on. Nobody's nodding and saying amen now because they're like, no, Josh, not me. I don't do it. No, no, no. Yeah, we do. Sometimes we wonder, God, do that God thing. <laughs> but here's the reality. David, God didn't say, David, take a seat. He said, David, here's a plan. Right? Here's a plan. But you know what's really unusual? He gives him a plan, but it's an unusual plan. And it's not the most straightforward plan. It's actually a plan full of twists and turns. And for all intents and purposes, it's the long way around. What does he say to him? He says, don't go straight up. I don't know about you, but when I've got the odds stacked against me and I'm crying out to God, I want to go straight there, God. Take me straight to victory. But God says, no, no, don't go straight there. What I want you to do, listen to this, what I want you to do is I want you to circle around. So I want you to go around in circles, says God. Ever felt like you're going around in circles? You know, if you feel like you're going around in circles, you're in good company. 
because David got sent in circles, but so did Joshua and, his, and the Israelites. They went in circles, and we know that victory was at the end of some circles. Oh, Josh, I feel like I'm going. It's not a bad place to be. At least you're moving. <laughs> but you know what? It seemed like the long way. But here's the thing. Catch this tonight. Regardless of what David thought about God's plan, it was God's plan. It was God's strategy. It was the route that he had given him to victory. And I believe tonight that God is wanting to release victory plans into your heart. But this is something you need to hear tonight. The victory plan may not look as straightforward and simple and, and, and as you would plan it to be. God may ask you to step out of the boat and do something supernatural. He may ask you to take a step of faith that seems ridiculous. He might ask you to do something that you go, but God, that's why can't, why can't we do God this? And he's just going to remind you, hey, 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 who's depending on who? Who's depending on who here? You depend on me, I'll encourage you, I'll give you a victory plan. You depend on me, you lean into me, you depend on me. I'm going to encourage you when you need it, and I'm going to give you a victory plan. Stand with me tonight if you can. You need to know something about God. God's way is always the way to victory. God's way is always the way to victory. Here's the thing, we may be grappling tonight with the overwhelming odds. We may be grappling with overwhelming circumstances, but here's the thing. God can change us while he uses us. I heard that at our state meeting. God can change us while he uses such a great line. What do I mean by that? While you're grappling with the overwhelming odds, God wants to direct your path. He wants to direct your path. Sometimes we take the battle into our own hands. David was smart. Be like David. Be like David. Be smart. Don't go and try and fight the battle with your own strength. Lean into God. He will encourage you. He will give you a battle plan. Then all you need to do is do what God says. Do we know what the answer and the way this ends is? He does what God says. And what happens? Annihilation. Complete victory. You know, this is the thing tonight. I want to give you some good theology. I don't know how long... Your victory is away. I've got no idea. I pray it's tonight. I pray it's in the morning. But you know what? It may not be. But I do know this. As you continue to lean into God, He will continue to encourage you and He will continue to lead you on the right path towards victory. I don't know when it's coming, but in Jesus' name, I know it is. Let's not grow weary in doing good. Amen? Tonight, God wants to drop some victory plans into your heart. He wants to drop some victory plans in your heart. And this is the way we're going to finish. And this is the way we're going to close. We've got five minutes. In, uh, without any coercion, without any uh, convincing you, without saying any more words, my preacher's done. I've said what God wanted me to say. Now it's time for the Spirit to do what He wants to do in your life. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask anyone if it's one person tonight, that's fine. If it's all of us, that's fine too. But if you're in this place and you say, Josh, this message speaks to where I'm at right now. You don't need to come and tell us what the, what the odds are. That's between you and God tonight. But I just know that tonight we need to pray over your life and prophesy a victory plan in Jesus' name. For some of you, you've been going along and along 
and along and you're tired. You're tired. You need a plan. Your plan's not working out. My plan's not working out. But God has a plan, I believe tonight, that he wants to download into your spirit. And it's going to be a plan that will work. If you're here tonight and you say, Josh, I need a victory plan. I've got things coming against me. I'm trying to work through stuff. But, man, I don't have a victory plan. I, I, I don't, I'm just surviving. If you need a victory plan, leave your seat and come to the front right now. You need a victory plan in this room tonight. Would you leave your seat and step forward? Come on, don't wait. Don't hesitate. You know if that's you or if it's not you. Just step forward. Let's do this tonight. We're going to minister. We're going to pray. We're going to pray a prayer of faith over you. Come on, there's more of you. Come on, take a step of faith. There's others here tonight. You know, you, you need a victory plan. This is the moment where we just drop our guard. We're family. Spoke about that this morning. We're family. We drop our guard and we get real with God. And we go, you know what, God, I've been trying, but it's not working. God, I need something. I need something. I need something. If that's you, you're like, I need a victory plan. Come on. I'm just waiting because there's a few others. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You know, there are men here. I find in my church, women are great responders. I want to acknowledge the men that have come forward tonight. But, you know, maybe there's other men here tonight. God bless you. Part of the victory that God wants to win is as you step up as the man of your house and the man of your family and go, you know what, I'm getting a victory plan. I'm going to leave. Maybe as a man tonight, you need to come and stand in the gap for someone in your family. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you, you're the head of your home. And you're like, I need a victory plan for my fa- I need it for my son. I need it for my daughter. I need it for that loved one. That's away. I need a victory plan in Jesus' name. I'm going to count to five. And then we're going to pray for these people. And I'm going to ask, I don't know who your prayer team are, but I would assume people, you have people that are okay to pray. And I'm going to ask whoever prays for people to come. I can't pray for everyone, but it's not about the person praying. It's the person we're praying to, right? Right? But I'm going to count to five because there's some people who need to take a step out of their chair. You're not here yet. And I just sense it in the spirit. There's a tug of war going on. You know, David went down to the stronghold. There is a battle going on. You're just like, there's pride. There's, there's all these emotions. And you're just like, no, nah, uh, no, nah, nah, tonight is your night. Come on, tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. God wants to give you a victory plan. I'm going to count to five. And there's a few more people that I believe just need to step out of their seats and join us. One, God bless you. Awesome. Two, who else? This is the night. Will this be the night? It could be the night. I don't know if it'll be the night, but it could be. There's more of a chance that it could be than it couldn't if we respond. Three. Is there, who, who else? I'm almost there. I can count in halves and quarters too. Four. I'm not stubborn. I don't normally do this, but I feel stubborn right now. It, oh, no. The Holy Spirit will tell me when, but there's someone, and there's a battle going on right now. Christians in this room, be praying. There is someone who's, who's really fighting this right now. But I just believe that if you can take a step of faith, something's going to break in over your world tonight in the name of Jesus, 4.25. Who is that person? Awesome. Awesome. Okay, we're good. Five. Five. All right. We're not going to go into loud worship or anything like that. I need everyone back there. There are some people already doing it. Awesome. I need you to now get in your prayer posture, church. I need you to pray a prayer of faith, even from where you're standing. I need you to reach out hands to these people across the front. Our prayer team, we're going to go along. We're not going to pray long prayers, but we're going to pray a prayer of victory and release in the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray for God to release supernaturally by His Spirit. 
It's the anointing that breaks the yoke, that by His Spirit tonight, something is going to break and there's going to be a release and a download from heaven. Amen? Cool. I'm going to let the team do it. Um, the song you're doing is good, but just cross as a final word, but let's just keep it low, hey? And we're going to go, come on, let's pray. If you're out there, reach out to these people. This is, this is business tonight.